Hello, I'm Linda Huey, and this is Meet the Doctors, the show that lets you hear what doctors have to say about their lives, their work, their passions, and what they foresee for the future. Today's guest is podiatrist Dr. Steven Rosenberg in Santa Monica. This episode of Meet the Doctors is brought to you by Complete PT Pool and Land Physical Therapy. Whether you're trying to prevent knee surgery or recovering from shoulder, hip, or back pain, Complete PT offers you the most advanced pool therapy in combination with traditional land therapy. You don't need to know how to swim or even get your hair wet. The 92-degree saltwater pool soothes joints and muscles and helps reduce pain immediately. Visit CompletePT.com. That's CompletePT.com. Now let's meet podiatrist Dr. Steven Rosenberg. We're here in Santa Monica with Dr. Steven Rosenberg, a podiatrist who several of my employees just swear by for various foot ailments. They told me, you've got to go meet him. So here I am and welcoming you to meet the doctors. Well, thank you very much. It's so nice to meet you as well. <laughs> now you've been here a long time and we're going to get back to what you've been doing over all those years, but I like to start at the beginning with people so you can kind of hear where this person come from? How'd they get where they are? What, what are they doing now? So that's the road we're going to follow. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Cool. Okay. So where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Aha. Well, you went to high school there too? I grew up there and then I did my undergraduate at the University of Arizona. And then I did my graduate work at uh, California College of Podiatric Medicine yeah, in San I, Francisco. Let's go that step by step. What did you study and why did you choose the University of Arizona? Well, I chose the University of Arizona because it was just a very you know, mysterious and intriguing place to go growing up on the East Coast. Sure. and not really knowing too much about any other part of the country. It's in the desert. It's hot. It's hot. But, you know, I met some really wonderful people that I've been friendly with for for 40 years. Nice. And uh, they're physicians, and and we've stayed close, and it's very nice to have those kind of connections. Yeah. And what did you study there? Studied biology. You know, it's like a biology, chemistry, psych major, because that's what you have to take a lot of when you're pre-med or, you know, pre-medicine. Mm -hmm. Did you know at that point that you were going to be going to medical college or a podiatric college? Or, or when did you decide No, to I was that? interested in science and biology. And at one point I thought that I would want to be a, an orthodontist because I had braces <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. And, I, and I found that to be pretty fascinating because of how you can take things and change things. And make them nice and pretty. Make the body lean in the direction you want it to exactly. lean. Exactly. Yeah. So, so then I, I then I met a podiatrist somewhere along the line, and I found that that probably satisfied my curiosity in medicine because I was able to work with kids, adults, children, infants, infants, and just huh. the from zero to a hundred basically, wow. and. And I was able to utilize um, all the things that I was taught in podiatry school, which is uh, basically biomechanics. Mm -hmm. And biomechanics is basically the study of how we walk, how, how we move, how we pick up things. And that really was the basis of my practice because everything I look at is from a biomechanical aspect. So 
watching somebody walk, looking at the underside of their shoe and seeing their mirror images of how we walk and mm-hmm. and all these other little clues that gives us a lot of information about who we are. Yeah. Now, I saw that next on the education path, you got both a BMS right. and a DPM. Right. So... Is it, is it a master's degree first well, when and you then go a doctorate? Through, when you go through the, the system, you know, educational system, when you go to graduate school, those degrees sort of come along with, you know, the process. Okay. And and that's how, you know, you accumulate those kind of degrees. How many years is Podiatric College? Is it it's three years? It's four years and then a residency program. Okay. So the both of those degrees are part of those four years. Right. Tell me about some of the highlights of the education of a podiatrist. Well, I think that the biggest highlight for me is that you can work with people of all ages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you can treat an infant in the morning and, and see someone in your office uh, that's 90 years old or 100 years old, you know, in the afternoon. And, you know, it's really a thrill to be able to see that kind of a range and be able to help somebody, you know, regardless of age. And what kind of education allowed you to feel really confident and comfortable to treat that entire age range? Well, it's the podiatric education that you received at the school. You know, they, they tell me a little bit about it. It was, you know, it was a four-year education. Um, they specialized in surgery and biomechanics, and and it was um, a great experience. Wonderful teachers, and um, it wasn't easy, but it was challenging, and and when you came out, you felt prepared, and then hmm. doing your residency program, and then just starting out in your practice, you um, you gained the information you you had to, you know, as you went along, and you know, learned how to ask questions, and you know, rely on colleagues, and you know, yeah. going back to school and talking to some of your professors, things like that. And how did you decide that you were going to go to St. Mary's Hospital in Philadelphia for your surgical residency? Well, I'm from back east, and I grew up in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and my parents obviously lived back east too. So that was a place where I thought, you know, maybe I would go back and uh. and see if I wanted to eventually practice there um, and and get a little more taste of the East Coast that at that point in time. Well, you've been here a long time, so that obviously didn't happen. Well, it didn't happen because I was interested in a lot of uh, different things uh, in in the 80s and, you know, early 80s and 90s. And uh, one of it was alternative medicine or holistic medicine. And uh, sadly, the East Coast at that time just wasn't really ready for that at that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And because I was educated in California and things were a little more open and and you were exposed to a lot more um, different options as far as treatment goes, I decided that I felt more comfortable here in California just because of the attitude and, and just what was available. Yeah, the culture, having to fit into the right, right exactly. culture. So you went to the California College of Podiatric Medicine, which I didn't, where is it? I didn't know it was here. It's in, well, when I went there, it was in based in San Francisco. Ah. It had moved uh, many years ago to Oakland, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they relocated in Oakland. I think they're part of uh, Merritt Medical College. Right. Right. And so um, was it when you went to school there? No, when I was at the school, it was just an independent, freestanding um, 
educational, medical education building. In San Francisco? In San Francisco. Oh, well, that was nice to be able yeah. to live up in San Francisco. It was. It was nice. And the teaching staff was from uh, UC Medical School. So mm-hmm. they partnered with that institution. And so you got, you know, a great education because you were working with, you know, professors and teachers uh, from that institution. Mm-hmm. Now, are all podiatrists trained to be surgeons or do some become non-surgical podiatrists? Well, all podiatrists have a surgical background. Uh, mostly all podiatrists now are doing residency programs anywhere from one to three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in school, some podiatry students ended up doing preceptor- preceptorships with different podiatrists that did a lot of surgery. So they got their training in different ways. And a preceptorship is? Is you train with another uh, established podiatrist who obviously does a lot of surgery or is very busy, and so you get an exposure to you know many many mm-hmm. different uh, types of uh, podiatric problems. So, do you perform surgery? I did perform surgery for over thirty years, but then I had um, I decided that I wanted to shift to another um, way of treating people, and mm-hmm. so I do a lot of pain management. I use. Uh, homeopathy in my practice. I use electrical current therapy in my practice. Uh, Let's explain what homeopathy is. You know, homeopathy is, you know, basically it, 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 you're using herbs, natural products, you know, in, in the environment uh, to help treat medical problems. Uh, one of the biggest ones is Arnica, which is a natural anti-inflammatory. And, and people are very familiar with the product now, as opposed to like 30 years ago when mm-hmm. They just thought it was airy fairy, you know, you know, <laughs> magic versus reality. That now kind it's of stuff. a topical gel or lotions. It, mostly, it, it comes in many forms. It comes in a topical. It comes in uh, an oral form. It can come in an injectable form as well. And I'm able to utilize all all different forms of it to treat different types of problems. So, give me an example of injecting arnica or some other homeopathic remedy. And, and what it would do for someone. Well, I, you know, you look at it as like a homeopathic Advil. It's a homeopathic anti-inflammatory. Okay. Um, homeopathy has very little side effects. You know, sometimes if somebody has allergies to everything in life, you may get, you know, a flare or a wheel where you get some inflammation locally at the site. What do you mean a wheel? Wheel means like when you inject something in into an area, you get like a red area that kind of blows up a little bit, like kind of forms like a little bubble. Okay. But it doesn't hurt the patient and the patient doesn't have any negative side effects. It's just that it gets a little red. It may get a little tender at the time. But... That's very rare, but there are some people that are allergic to some of the herbs or some of the remedies in in the homeopathy that you're using. So what else besides Arnica? Well, I use this other remedy called lymphomyosot, which helps potentiate the body's ability to get rid of swelling. So if someone comes in with a sprained ankle mm-hmm. or a, a broken bone in their foot, I would immediately um, start to talk to them about how I could treat it homeopathically and use that in conjunction with electrical therapy to help move blood through the system and try and get rid of the swelling and then do a support bandage or or put them in a walking cast depending on what their problem is. And it works really well. It, It helps get rid of a lot of the initial inflammatory process that goes in. 
um, and goes on in the body, as well as it uh, potentiates the body to heal itself. And that's what homeopathy does. It gives the body's ability to heal thyself. And, mm-hmm. and you know, everybody likes to do that. So how many people that walk in here and have you start, and you start talking to them about homeopathy, they've never heard of it before, or they're a little bit put off at first? Or do you have to do some education? I do some. You know, being on the West Side, uh, you know, many people are educated and are interested in alternative medicine. You know, they do acupuncture and they mm-hmm. do many, many different things. So it's not a hard sell. Those that you know, have no idea what it is, I talk to them in basic terms like I, it's a homeopathic Advil. So they can relate Advil as like an anti-inflammatory or aspirin. And if they're open to it, uh, they'll usually kind of try it and see if it works. And to their amazement, it works pretty well. And, and they're kind of stunned that, you know, they've had this treatment that didn't require cortisone and some other types of therapies. And nothing is going to affect their liver, like taking Advil. Nothing affects their liver at all. It, it, it's really a homeopathy is very benign in, in, in relative terms as far as like um, potential problems that you would take or drug reactions, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Now, you personally had a run-in with your own injury and had to treat yourself. That's an amazing story. Would you tell that again? Well, I've had a couple of incidents where I've I've needed homeopathy to rescue me from from pain and and one was I I've had um an incident where I actually, you know, fell and broke my arm and when I woke up from that trauma <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. and uh got out of shock. Got out of right, got out of shock. I I immediately started to treat myself like I would treat my patient, you know, and I, I went and I used uh, this remedy called Tremil, which is pretty well known now, yeah. and it's a combination remedy, so it has about 26 different things in it, and I injected it into the site um, where I felt the trauma, and then I started to use a little electrical current therapy. I use interferential current, mm-hmm. which mimics the body's healing current and it helps reduce swelling, brings blood into the area and cause an analgesic effect as well. And between that and then just wrapping it with a support wrap or bandage, I was able to control the swelling and control the pain. Then I eventually went to see an orthopedist who told me I broke my arm and was surprised that I had so much movement and I had a uh, fair amount of strength, even though I fractured it. And How many days later after you fell? Did you probably a week. That's a long time to wait. With, yeah. You well, probably I, knew you had broken a bone. Well, I wasn't sure because it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a smaller bone and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't impacting me that much and I was able to function, but I knew that I had to see someone and get an x-ray and get their expert opinion as to what happened. Well, and I'll bet he was a little bit surprised that you were doing so well. Well, he was because that was about 15 years ago and and even 15 years ago, you know, mainstream medicine just wasn't really ready for homeopathy, although there were a number of doctors who, you know, practiced homeopathic medicine and and alternative medicine, but mainstream just wasn't ready for it yet. Well, I'm guessing it's progressed since then. It has. It has. It's nice. You know, there are doctors that understand it or know a little about it. They may not use it, but it's not like, you know, oh, my God, you know, how could you use that? And, (laughs) 
you know, that's, you know, absolutely ridiculous. You know, homeopathy has been around, you know, for hundreds of years. And, and, uh, you know, it's really funny. I was in South America when I was um, in my 20s and we were walking through the streets of uh, Peru Mm -hmm. and you would stumble upon, you know, these uh, Inca um, uh, Indians that were sitting on these little stoops on a corner and they had all these bags of herbs like mm. spread out mm-hmm. all over and with little stick diagrams as to what herb treated what ailment. And I was so fascinated by that because they got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they got it. They had access to everything in the Amazon jungle. So why Right. They, and a yeah. lot of a lot of homeopathy comes from, you know, South America yeah. and places like that. Yeah. You'll hear more from Dr. Rosenberg right after this. If you're in the market for a bike, you want to buy your bike from a shop that has great service. Bicycles need to be serviced and maintained on a regular basis for safety. You want a relationship you can count on with the shop where you buy your bike. Helen's cares as much about servicing your bike and keeping you safe as it does about the sale of a new bike. Their tune-up packages and excellent repair service will keep your bike in perfect working order. Go to HelenCycles.com. That's HelenCycles.com. We're back with Dr. Rosenberg. Now, your website has a vast array of services that you offer, all aspects of podiatric medicine, from ingrown toenails, warts, corns, and calluses, to neurological symptoms such as burning, tingling, and numbness, to fractures and even vascular problems of the foot. Wow, that's a lot to cover. What do you see most in any given day? Well, you know, you see the garden variety things like ingrown toenails. Um, I see a lot of patients that have... Uh, biomechanical issues, you know, plantar fasciitis is a big buzzword for everybody that's active or not even active. Uh, people have it as well. What do you do for that? And I use biomechanics, so we make orthotics here in the. Yeah, you know, we make orthotics for my patients here in the office. Tell me about the one that you created. Then I also came out with a product called Instant Arches, and Instant Arches was born out of a necessity because. Mm-hmm. When you have orthotics made, they're sometimes they're bulky. They don't fit in all all your patients' shoes. A majority of my patients are women because women oh. take care of themselves better than men, sadly. And they wanted something that was going to be supportive, that was going to not show, and that was going to help you know allow them to walk comfortably and walk happily ever after. <laughs> so, I basically started to fool around with some materials and some shapes. And I started to use this material that was made out of felt. And then I would cut the Mm -hmm. felt and skive it in a certain type of... Skive means... Skive means the cut around the area. Okay. And and bevel the edge so it fit nicely into the arch of the shoe. That means a slant. A bevel means a slant. Exactly, slant. And Mm -hmm. fit into the arch of the shoe where it would cradle the arch and support the arch, but it wouldn't hurt. And it wouldn't be... Uh, uh, encumbered or or wouldn't wouldn't be bulky, and it did what it was supposed to do. And after I did that for maybe a few months or maybe a year, because I did it and I started in 1984, 85, I realized that I thought I had something that was working. And then I I worked with um, a company in the Midwest who um, made those kind of little pieces of uh um inserts uh, arts, inserts mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. that fit in shoes and 
and I showed them what I wanted, and then they made a mold, and then we found a material that was soft and, and supportive and cushiony, and all of a sudden, I had a product. And you've been selling that since 84, 85? 84, 85, yeah. Wow, okay. So people yeah. come here only for those occasionally? Occasionally, I'll, I'll have patients that I've treated them successfully. We've got them comfortable and all they really need to do is get more arches uh, for their new shoes. <laughs> so, you know, I've had patients that have come in like 10 years ago or even longer, and they just keep on coming back because it works so well. And and I'm also able to um, sell them worldwide. So I have people that purchase them from Australia, New Zealand, Europe, UK. So you have distributors in these places, or do you have an online No, sales? I have an online uh, website. Mm -hmm. So um, they find Instant Arches online just by Googling art supports for sandals or art supports for regular fashion footwear, and they find me, and then they actually order. Yeah, the next question I was going to ask you is that you, on your website, talk about making the inserts for women's dress shoes right. and for sandals. So That's correct. are we talking about being able to wear it with slip-on slides? Uh, this product you can fit in any shoe, any shoe style. Without... What keeps it in place if it's... Um... It has an adhesive backing. Ah, okay. And it's one size fits all. And once you stick it in, you can move it around for adjustments. But once you stick it in and it feels comfortable, you're good to go. So women can use this in their heels? They can use them in their heels. They can use them in their flats. They can use them in their boots. They can use them in their... Um, Milana Blonics, they can use them in their um, Louis Vuittons, yeah. they can use them in their sandals, they can use them in their flip-flops. It's, uh, it's a great product because, not because I made it, it's just because it works and it does what it's supposed to do. And it's versatile, um, really versatile. It, it is versatile. And it's the same one that you would put in a running shoe, this is what you would put yes, in a fashion shoe? That exactly. is very versatile. You know, yeah. So it works because it works basically under biomechanical principles that if you understand how the foot works if you understand how to control the foot you can control the foot not by using large objects or mm -hmm. you know large orthotics you can use it by using a, a small uh, uh, uniquely designed um, uh, product that fits directly into the arch of the shoe that supports the foot and you don't it doesn't require someone teaching you how to use it no, no. The instructions on the back of the packaging is great. And I mean, I've sent thousands out all over the world, you know, over the last 20 some years and, and they don't come back and I don't get nasty notes and, <laughs> and I do get reorders. So yeah. they like them a lot. Yeah, yeah. Now tell me about the neurological aspect of being a podiatrist. When you run into burning and tingling and numbness in feet, what do you do? Well, you know, you, first of all, you need to get a history mm -hmm. because some of your patients, depending on their age, you know, have had bouts of cancer and and cancer drugs do kill normal cells. So you have to evaluate where it's coming from. If it's if it's like from tying your shoes too tightly, <laughs> you know, that's an easy fix. If it's coming from a drug related incident, that's not such an easy fix. But being a podiatrist, you're basically an internist of the foot because oh. you need to know you know, you need to know all these different systems. You know, you work with diabetics, you work with infants, you work with dermatological problems, you work with vascular problems. 
you may not be able to solve all these problems, but you need to know enough to refer patients to the appropriate specialists if that's something that you don't handle. So what do you do for a vascular problem? Or is there anything you can do for them here before you have to refer them to well, a Well, it depends. Special? You know, I mean, if if they have a wound that's just not getting better, you know, and and no matter what you try and do topically, it's just not getting better, then they may have a blockage. So your your best solution is to refer them to someone who can identify the blockage and then free that blockage up so they get blood flow to the area. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're just the detective, <laughs> yeah. and you know it's not something that you can treat, but it's something that you can refer because you know that that's something a little out of your area, but you know that you'll refer it to someone who can handle it. I like that internist for the foot. That gives me a really good, clear picture of how you're having to think of all the different areas. Right. You have to think kind of globally. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to from head to toe. Where. You can't just say, well, I, I only treat, you know, big toes or I only treat <laughs> corns. Um, you have to, you know, understand medicine and, and know enough to know what you can do and what you can't do. You know, you don't want to be a hero. You just want to get patients better. Yeah. Now, you were an L.A. Marathon race director for 18 years. What was that like? Which, which years was it? It was from the beginning of the initial stages of the marathon to like 18 years later. And... It was fun. You know, we used to, you know, um, take care of patients along the route. Um, Depending on where you were stationed, it was either a mass unit. You were just trying to get them to the next aid station. Where were you usually stationed? Near the the end? Uh, In the beginning, I was near the end. And then as time went on, we sort of got back towards the beginning because it was it was more fun. It was easier. But it <laughs> so they was, weren't falling apart. They weren't then. <laughs> falling apart, right. Yeah. Now, I, I rode in a press car in 1976 when the first LA Marathon started over in, on Sunset Boulevard at Dodger Stadium. and went mm-hmm. all the way on Sunset Boulevard, all the way down to the ocean. Right. And Gail Nakova, you might remember her. Right. She mm-hmm. won that race. And then I, was, walk, I walked up here from not too far from where I live here. In '84, and watched Joan Benoit right, run right past Olympics, here on right, Wilshire because right, it wasn't on Sunset that. anymore. Right. It was on Wil- right in front of your office. Right. right so, I were you involved that. in '84? I wasn't involved with the Olympics. Um, actually, I, I did get involved a little with the Special Olympics that mm-hmm. year, but um, I didn't get involved with the Olympics per se, just as a just as a watcher. You know. As, a, uh, spectator. spectator. That was what I was doing that day, yeah. too. It was wonderful. Yeah. The first women's marathon. That's what was so fabulous. Yeah. Um, so when you were at the finish line and people were falling apart and you're the doctor who's in charge of feet and you see bloody messes, what were you able to do? Well, you know, you, you know, it's almost like a mash unit because, <laughs> because, you know, when you get close to the finish line, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. that are just like, you know, crawling, you know, to the end sometimes. And you know, you would use whatever you had. And, and in the beginning, they weren't really geared towards foot problems or, you know, they were geared towards medical problems. So, you know, you're using ACE bandages and you're using, you know, those, those, those uh, cold packs that you like can smack on a, on a, you know, sidewalk or something. Then yes. it, it automatically gets whole and you just kind of wrap them up and kind of send them to the next aid station. Um, you know, you improvised a lot because, again, you know, there wasn't exactly, you know, a, um, you know, a podiatrist as heading, you know, the, the medical needs of, of the of the of the runners. It was, 
you know, more of a medical doctor, you know, uh, trying to um, understand what the medical problems would be. And, you know, some people had some, you know, heat, heat problems. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's always somebody that sadly, you know, has some sort of coronary issue. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff that goes on. But ambulances at every station? You know, there were more like in locations, I think, where mm-hmm. they would have, you know, um, ham operators and things like that that would uh, contact uh, buses or ambulances or uh, um, emergency units to, you know, to help these runners along the way. For the most part, they did really well, you know, but, you know, sadly, there's always occasion where somebody would, you know, hurt themselves. Yeah, or their heart failed them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, my employees rave about you. I have a couple of employees who come to you. Oh, and... that's very nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. And and one of them said, you know, he hasn't raised his prices in years. So, unfortunately, some people don't have insurance still to this day. And no, I, I, I work with my patients. Um, you know, I try and accommodate them as much as I possibly can. You know, and the insurance world, you know, has put a crunch on a lot of things. But, but you know, I, I really want to get my patients better. And, and I, because I can do everything myself. And um, I don't have to ask somebody else for permission to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to change my pricing. I, I can accommodate some pricing issues if there's a issue. Well, obviously, you've done that for some people who are very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> they, they think the world of you. Now, you've been in practice a long time, and you've watched a lot of changes happen. Can you see any new technologies or new things coming on the horizon that you think are going to be interesting and game changers? You know, I, that's an interesting question because... You know, I was at a conference over the weekend in Anaheim, and it was a podiatric conference. And and you know, and you see these these young guys that are talking about all these new procedures and all these new gadgets that are coming around. And and I made a comment to a, a colleague of mine. I said, you know, twenty years from now, they're going to be talking about we what we did fifty years ago as like new innovative treatments. There's certain things that do change, and there's certain things that really don't you know i mean doing surgery 25 years ago people got better they got good results and they did fine um but nowadays you know you're talking about screws and plates and and if that's what you're trained in doing that's what people get you know so i was more the old school and um was that when you gave up surgery yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i decided to um shift more into pain management because it was it was it was fun, and you know, you you can help people along the way. Um, and not everybody wants to run and have surgery. If surgery is required, it's required. But sometimes there's other options first. Well, you sound like you're a wonderful first option for a whole lot of people here in Santa Monica, LA, oh, thank the whole you very area. Much. I want to thank you for your time here on. Oh, Meet well, the thank you. It's been just an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to podiatrist Dr. Stephen Rosenberg in Santa Monica. If you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode as we speak with the brightest minds in medicine, research, surgery, and much, much more. I'm Linda Huey. You can tweet to me on Twitter at Linda Huey. That's L-Y-N-D-A-H-U-E-Y. Say hi or tell me who you'd like to hear on Meet the Doctors. Thanks to production assistant James Cowan and to Tom Struther for audio post-production.